Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we welcome owner of Good Morning Investments and future historian, Grace Goodenkoff. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street, where we give voice to the everyday person. Hey guys, this is the co-host, uh, the voice Nick Kleitch, and with me per usual, Mr. Szynski. Cole, what's going on, brother? Well, Nick, I'll tell you what's going on. We just had an awesome, awesome guest. Shocker, right? Alert everybody. Alert the presses. Get it going. We had an awesome guest. Uh, no, for real, though. Uh, Grace was... I say it, it's a wealth of knowledge, but she was so much more than that. She was a great conversation. She, it was cool to see her kind of unpack herself a little bit in this episode. And I think maybe, obviously this episode and our podcast doesn't come out like in a, in a video format, but you can really even hear it too, because she, she takes a second, she pauses and you can tell she's like, she's thinking deeply about this. And that's one thing too, that I appreciate about every single person that comes on this podcast and is truly a deep thinker. And Grace was no exception to the rule. Grace was a fantastic conversation. She is headed in such an amazing direction that it's going to be cool. Nick, you said it after we got done and I'm going to say it on here. Grace is somebody that it's not like we do this podcast and, and obviously we never want it to be, but we, we're do this podcast and then we just follow along kind of in the background. No, Grace is somebody that get to know this person, follow this person, find her on social media, even interact with her. I think she'd welcome that and be open to that because this girl is on a fast track, a rocket ship to success. Um, not to not to play on a little aerospace joke there. I'm sure she'll appreciate that if she listens to this. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on. I'm stoked that we got Grace on. Thank you, Grace, if you're listening to this, for coming on. Uh, and thank you to your sister, Malia, for, for, uh, for kind of being that go-between uh, to begin with. This, uh, this interview was unique in kind of a couple ways. So the first one was... Generally speaking, you have an ebbs and flow of a conversation where there are times maybe early, mid or late that there's value add or you kind of get on hot topics and fall away from that. I almost felt this conversation continually heated up from the first minute all the way to the end of the conversation. It was as if we continued to just build on this wonderful sizzle of uh, talking about certain tools and tactics that Grace has not only heard from, but used in her life. She has a really, uh, I think, a abundance of skill sets that she has gathered over her short life. Um, and we share a very common interest in being avid readers in various uh, topics and conversations, which it's super fun to get into that. And uh, and yeah, so she was just such a such a fun, refreshing conversation. And I, I felt very motivated uh, walking out uh, of it. So you guys listening, do me a favor and get a notepad or just be ready to receive actual bits of information from Grace, but also books that she's read. I think there was many more of those, Cole, in this episode than prior episodes. I, w I was going to say, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that, she is one of the most resourceful guests I think we've had on this podcast. She has a whole like wide span of resources, like pages, books, places to find things, advice 
that is great for for not not only someone that's like you know focusing on mechanical mechanical engineering which we talk about with grace or real estate which we talk about with grace or just reading books which we talk about with grace it is life advice it is life resources life tools and i'm sure there are things on here that she probably didn't even think to mention that she'll she'll you know if someone was to reach out to her one of the residents said hey i loved your episode uh what is something i should i should i should look up i should google i should check out uh i'm sure that there are even more resources that uh we didn't even cover in this episode just with the wealth of knowledge and with the things we talked about kind of hearing how she talked about them the way she talked about them and the way she presented the resource resources she did uh i'm sure there's many many more that uh if people want to reach out to her and, and get in touch and connect um uh, that she's more than happy to to put in the hands of the right people yeah, and I would I would go ahead and label. Generally, I have a word for the type of personality maybe of, of one of our guests, and I think resourceful could not be a better word for her. Also, this, this term is going to seem simple, but I just think she was super bright. A stud, very bright, uh, and just all around a, a really fun conversation. So if you guys are ready to dive in, let's invite on um, Grace Goodenkoff to the show. Grace, what's going on? Hi, I'm super excited. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Welcome to State Street. Um, I am very excited to have you on. We're not going to indulge too much of an introduction at this point. We're we'll wait to get into all the good stuff later. But for having you on on a Tuesday night, we are very, very pliver- pl- the, 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 privileged <laughs> to bring you on. So thank you for doing this for us. Well, do you want to jump in there? Or? <laughs> yeah, I uh, no, Grace, I... I we we are stoked. I, I've said it. I've said it once already, um, but I'll say it just so people can hear that are listening to this. Uh, Grace, we're stoked to have you on. It's going to be super super cool to talk real estate. I have to be totally honest and upfront. It's something I know absolutely nothing about, but I'm fascinated by it. So I'm hoping you can not only talk about how cool it is and how cool it is that you like work in it and that you deal with it, but also inform myself, inform Nick if he knows nothing, inform the the people listening to this about it. Um, because I think it is something that's super important to understand, right? Everybody, mm-hmm. uh, most people, not everybody maybe, but most people probably have the goal of buying a home one day uh, or having a stable living c- p- condition or, or stable living arrangement. Um, so it'll be super, super cool to hear all the knowledge you have about that. Um, you also just seem like a super unique individual that's kind of going off a questionnaire we gave you beforehand. Uh, also some things we've just learned getting to know one another. Um, I'll get this right out of the way though. You doing this is a huge favor to us. And so thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, It's just kind of a busy time of year with like, we're in the month of June and the 4th of July is right around the corner and warm weather is here. Um, So it's a fun time of year, but we're very, very thankful you you made a little time for us um, and and the State Street residents tonight. Oh, I'm excited. So thank you guys. Absolutely. Well, um, for those people that did not listen to the previous episode with the other good and cough, we'll leave it anonymous. Uh, Grace, if you wouldn't mind, so how did you, or what's your relationship with the other good and cough? We'll just start there to, to get things warmed up. So Malia is my older sister and she's two years older than me and we are very, very close. We actually live together right now. Um, and yeah this whole real estate personal finances all of that good stuff definitely started with her which she talks 
you guys talk all about on that podcast, but um, in all honesty, it's probably weird how close we are. If I had to answer what our relationship is, <laughs> we're very close. Well, I, uh, I'd rather have that because if anyone would see my sibling relationship and us growing up, it was as if we had a tackle football session in the living room <laughs> every day, even though I had two sisters, I hope to toughen them up. But yes, yeah, so, so you guys had a really, so a really close relationship, but let's kind of just start with when did you guys become close or have you always been super close? That's a good question. And I feel like I have to say, there's actually three of us. So I have an older sister who's five years older than me. And I would say that Malia has always been like the mediator because she's the middle child. So I've always been close with her and she's always been close with my oldest sister, Jade. Um, And I was a devil when I was younger. So me and my oldest sister were not close. I had like bright blonde hair. I was evil. but probably like once I got into high school, I became very, very close with both of my sisters. Yeah, it's interesting how sometimes you like you have that cute little childhood moment and and up and through. And then all of a sudden, it's just when everyone starts maybe hitting their maturity and, and puberty, it's like just absolute war breaks out. Yeah. Um, the uh, the final question I'll say on that, and then we'll uh, we'll get into the good stuff. What was it like uh, growing up with three or two sisters? Um, it's a great question. Um, I love it because I think I'm very close with both of them and it's super fun. And it's so funny because he always asks my dad, like, do you ever wish you had a boy? And he's always it's just like, I'm just happy you're all healthy. <laughs> We're <all> like, okay, <laughs> dad. <laughs> It's a very, uh, very kind way of, of addressing that situation. Good for him. Oh, Good yes. for him. Grace, I'm just curious, um, between yourself and your two sisters, how are each of you very different from one another, but how are you very similar to each of them? Oh my gosh, that is a hard question, but it's good. Um, I think we definitely have very, very distinct personalities, but a lot of people will say like, you sound the same, you look the same, you say the same things, but I don't see that. My oldest sister is a lot more quieter and um, maybe a little more reserved. And then I'm definitely the most like blunt. And I definitely say my mind, I would say. And then Malia is like right in between. Okay. (laughs) That's that's good to know. That will, I think, provide some good answers on stuff like uh, moving forward and, and hopefully in the four question segment at the end. The only other thing that I'm curious about um, so your sister noted awesome social media user, like TikToks, her Instagram page is popping. We did hype her up on that yeah. uh, when she was on. Are you a savvy social media user? I'm just curious. It's so funny you say that because she definitely helps me. Like social media is it's like um it's like a job. It's a skill. Yeah. And she's definitely helped me with that. So I try to be, but she's way better. Sure. Well, that and and it's been fun to watch Nick evolve into our social media person. And I know he plans on taking a lot of notes from Aaliyah as well. So it's interesting. 
she helps you out. She's hopefully going to be helping Nick out and, and just get to like a foundational level of just being a, a good social media yeah. user. We're getting way off topic. I want to get, in, I want to give it back to Nick so he can get us on track and, and get us to like the, the meat of this, because you're going to have a lot of really, really good stuff to talk about. So Nick, go ahead. Yeah, it's always, well, it's always good to uh, ask those questions in the beginning portion, just to, to get it out there. And it's just so cool. We, we really haven't had a sibling duo uh, come on the podcast prior to this. So we're going to envy that a little bit and, and soak it up. So you and I had had a conversation with you prior to this. So do me a favor and just share basic information as to where you went to college and then where you got your job prior to all the good stuff that's going on right now. Yeah. So I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I went to college at Iowa State. So not too far away, like two hours away. I studied mechanical engineering in Spanish, and then I went to work for Collins Aerospace, which is um, an aerospace company, and I have worked for them since high school. They're from Cedar Rapids. I actually work remotely out of a San Diego office as a mechanical engineer on the space optics team, and that has nothing to do with Spanish and it has nothing to do with real estate, which is where I'm going in the future, but it's super fun. And as you can tell, I'm all over the place. Well, you are as much as we are, so it's all good. Um, but I do always have a, a, a fascination towards where life takes us and we're only in the beginning phases as we act like we're 45 or something like this. But, um <laughs> If you wouldn't mind, so there was some terminology thrown around there. If you had to explain what you do to a five-year-old, how would you describe that just so our listeners have context? We design objects that go in space. So that could be telescopes, satellites, cameras, any small optics, which just has to do with sight that goes into space. We actually just had a camera, a guy on my team designed one of the cameras on the rover that launched in February. Gotcha. So just your casual nine to five. <laughs> I don't do that. I am on that team. And eventually <laughs> I would do that if I was an engineer for another 10 years. But um, yeah, it is a pretty cool team. It's very small, very niche. It's definitely interesting. Grace, I'm, I'm curious just before Nick like get, gets too far down the road. Were you, have you always been fascinated by aerospace, space technology, like the op, like the optical, you know, portion of it specifically, or was that something that you kind of were like, like you, maybe you were drawn to late. Were you drawn to it early as a child? Were you fascinated by space and everything that surrounds it? Like, where did that come into the picture? Yeah, actually I don't have a great answer. I got that job kind of randomly and in college and just kept interning and then eventually went full time. And I got the job first at Collins Aerospace because it was in my same hometown. And I do like CAD design, which is computer aided design. So it's like modeling. And I really do like that. I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily in love with aerospace. Um, but I do like my job a lot. But about growing up, I think I liked math. And so I always knew that I would do something with math. And I just discovered this recently when I was listening to another um, female in engineering speaking. And I realized that I think I went into engineering to see if I could and to, to see and prove to myself that I could do it 
and see what would happen. And I don't think I really realized that until like a couple months ago when I heard another chick talking about, you know, showing up to a meeting and it's 30 old white dudes and you are like your your college classes and blah, blah, blah. And where did you want to be an engineer? And she was like, I just wanted to do it and see if I could. And I was like, I think that's why I did it. Okay, so I have to I have to say something. So when we interviewed Malia, she said the exact same thing about finance. Like like not not to a T, but she talked about and it's true. Like the finance world is totally like it's old white guys that talk about money, right? And it's boring and it's long and it's uninteresting. Um that is so so cool that you said that. I love that connection. So let me let me ask just off of that. Are you like would you consider yourself a taskmaster? Are you someone that like you have these things out on a list or like when you say challenge, challenge, is it something that is like you put this on your like your 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 mirror or your board and you're like, yeah, like I want to tackle that next? Um, I don't think I realize it so much. Like I'm so aware of this is the thing I want to accomplish. I think for me, like engineering specifically in high school, like I knew I wanted to do something that like not everybody maybe looks like me did. And I knew I wanted to do something that was hard to show that I could do it. And obviously I like a challenge. I love um, that is like the one thing that is super in common between engineering and real, and real estate is every day is a challenge. Figuring out every day, firefighting. but. So maybe I am a taskmaster, but master, but I don't necessarily realize it. I think I'm just drawn towards a challenge. Interesting. Do you find that you, and and I'm asking this strictly just to kind of, to, to, I don't know, further like the understanding and try to maybe even give our residents a, a look inside your brain. When you are going after this challenge, do you have like a breaking point or a point where you have to say, whoa, I need to slow down. I need to take a break. I need to pump the brakes on this. Or is it like you become so consumed by it? It becomes maybe not like who you are, but it becomes like what you want, everything. You put the blinders on and you just go after it. I think the second one for sure, because it's so hard to like stop and put the brakes on and realize like, Oh, I've, I've accomplished something. And I know that we'll talk about this later, but like I'm a lot newer in the real estate world. So it's easier to see what I have learned. And I have these mentors and they'll always be like, look like that's crazy. You did that. And I have to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I I did accomplish something. Cause I just want to like, go, 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 go. Like you said. That's, that's awesome. I love that. That's a, that's like, I mean, that's a shark mentality. That's like you're 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 eating that, and you're you're clearly on a journey to success in that aspect. So Nick, keep, let's keep unpacking this. Keep going on Grace. Keep throwing questions at her because um, I'm interested to see where this goes. Hey, State Street Gang, we're gonna steal you away real quick. Uh, Cole, I actually have a couple of promos to run by you. What do you got, Nick? I'm excited to hear. So the first one is our partners over at Driftless Quality Wear actually have a new website coming out and you can find them at driftlesswaltywear.com. No way. Dude, that's awesome. So how does State Street factor into that? Yeah, great question. So for all the folks that haven't purchased anything on their website, go ahead and prior to checking out, if you enter State Street, uh, you'll actually get a 10% discount off the entire cart. Okay. What kind of things do they have? Do they have like outdoor wear since it's getting cold here? Yeah, great question. And it really is getting cold. So they have crew necks, long sleeves. I actually got a long sleeve myself, beanies. Uh, They even go as far as camping mugs, which I think that's awesome. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. So tell me again how I get this and where I need to go. Yeah, so go ahead and type in State Street at checkout and receive 10% off your entire cart purchase. Cool, man. I can't wait. Let's get back to the show. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I uh, I do have a question I'm going to ask a little bit later on in that relationship between engineering and real estate, just because I think the two, um, I guess from a, a third party's perspective, I'm not sure what what would cross over, quite frankly. But <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and throw out a pretty hefty question here, okay? So we're going to uh, go to the the worksheet a little bit. Um, so what is the hardest thing that you've done and why? And then how did you overcome it? So I'm pretty sure I wrote down deciding to quit my W-2. And that is something that happened within the last couple months. And how did I overcome it? I actually had to take my own advice. Um, I put together, this is going to be a drawn out story, but I put together this Instagram post one day from a bunch of female investors. And I said, what's your number one advice to get started? And I put together like these 10 pieces of advice and I was reading through them, put them together. Didn't think anything of it, posted it. And then I went back and I was reading through them. And one of my closest friends in real estate said, lay out your worst case scenario, like write it out. What's going to happen? What could happen? What are the numbers? And I was like, wow, that is so, my mind is so math oriented. Like, I, let, let me do that for my job. So for deciding to quit my engineering job and go into real estate, I literally, like in this journal, I wrote out what is my income, my expenses, like what happens if I can't pay my mortgage? I move out, I move home, I rent my place out. Now I'm up 500 bucks a month. What happens if I can't pay for like my car? I do this. What happens if this? And I, I literally wrote it all out and I was like, that's not that that's that bad. I can handle that. I can handle that worst case situation. That is a risk that I want to take. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> that is so cool. And I say that because it's maybe more um there's more thought put into it, yes, but I don't know how many people I know that would maybe reach for that tool to use. And almost in a way of of playing that out. I'm curious. Uh, so you said it was uh, one of your mentors that said that, or a podcast that they listened to? Because uh, I'll give a little context why I asked that. So Tim Ferriss did a TED talk not too long ago, uh, or actually I think it was back in I'm not sure when, but anyway, he talked about fear setting, like fear goal setting, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he talked a similar concept of like, hey, worst comes to worst, this is what would happen, and he would write it out on a worksheet. So I'm just curious, did you get that from someone that you had a mentorship relationship with or how did they kind of stumble upon it? Cause I think it's useful. I don't know where they got it. It was actually a friend that I know through just the real estate community. I do have mentors, but it wasn't them that came up with this, but yeah, I think that's such a powerful tool. I have not listened to the Ted talk by Tim Ferriss, but I love Tim Ferriss. He's obviously a very smart guy. And I think it's so true is we, I was just actually reading in a book yesterday about like anxiety. What is it that you're anxious about? Write it out and then figure out, can you control it or can you not? And if you can't control it, who can? Now stop being anxious. Like figure. So for me, quitting my job, 
If I'm scared, what is it? What is it that I'm scared of? I'm scared I can't afford my mortgage. Okay, then what happens? Then I move home and I rent out my house for X amount of money and now I make money on my house. Or what happens if I don't make enough money to invest in my 401k for a whole year? Okay, I'm out over the long run, pennies on the dollar. And just stuff like that. Okay, now I have a tangible list of what it is I'm scared of and it's not that scary. Grace, you bring up a really, really awesome point talking about anxiety, fear, feeling scared. Um, we actually just got done reading a book by Susan David um, called Emotional Agility. Awesome book. Ooh. If you haven't read it, I totally recommend it. I think you're writing that down right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's so awesome. Um, but but she, she talks about how we need to, things that like, you can say trigger us or would create an emotion. We need to separate whatever that is and the emotion that we initially react with, like find that space in between, right? So when you're going through this whole process, right? You're crunching the numbers even beforehand, like the, maybe the anxiety or the fear or the, like the scaredness, the sadness, maybe the excitement. I don't know. You can tell us like whatever that emotion is, was crunching the numbers was, was taking a, a deep dive look into like what those true figures are. Is that the space you needed in between like what was, you know, triggering an initial emotion and then the actual emotion you're able to react with after it's all said and done? Yeah, absolutely. For me, that was so, uh, clarifying. It was, it made everything so clear, like what could happen and what I can do about it. And that's all I needed. Right. Did you, did you experience like a true, maybe like weight off your shoulders at any point doing this? Was it like you see the final numbers or you see kind of the way things are trending and like, oh, okay. I like, I am really like, it's pennies on the dollar in the grand scheme of things. Like, did you experience that true emotional shift? Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, if you can't name it, it's so much scarier. It's like how they always say that scarier movies, if you close your eyes, I don't know if you ever heard this, but I always heard that if you're watching a scary movie and you close your eyes, it's like way scarier. You, they've like done studies that you feel more fear than if you just watched it. And it's kind of like the same thing of like, once I know specifically what I can do about it and what's going to happen, it's like more in my control instead of just worrying about this very ambiguous, bad circumstance. Like I know right. what it is and I know what I can do. That's interesting. That's also a part that Nick, if you remember, right, when we were reading that book, Susan David talks about how when you can categorize something, it's much easier for you to wrap your brain around it and then react in a positive way, right? So categorizing that feeling, it sounds like was a huge, huge emphasis for you. I think that's so awesome. It's crazy how that thing like comes full circle. Um, super cool though. I love that. Um, so I just, I had to throw that out there. I'm sorry. No, you're, you're good, man. I, uh, I think we're at a really good spot. And I, I don't know if this is the term maybe Susan used, but in some ways labeling what you're feeling. I think, well, I think, she, uh, I think it was the what, what the function, that statement. So essentially, when you get into this anxiety, depression, what have you, you actually ask yourself that question. And what you're doing is you're reaffirming, okay, this is what it is, but we faced this before, so it's okay. And we're, we can like get to our stable ground now. So, uh, Grace, I'm going to ask you a creative question. So mm -hmm. using the tool of going through that process that you did from leaving the W2 nine to five to where you are now, 
if you had to give that tool to someone in a different context, um, other than starting maybe their own business, what would you advise them to use it for? I know we touched on anxiety a little bit, but I'm just curious what your first reaction would be to that. I don't know if I'm answering this the right way, but I just go back to my mom always, always, always told us you, the answer is always no until you ask. So like maybe if you want to talk about your boss about like a raise, you're not ever going to get a raise until you ask, not necessarily, but like, it's always going to be no. So the tool I would say is like, what's the, what are you nervous about? You're nervous about him saying no. Okay. Is that nervousness bigger? than just settling for an automatic no if you don't ask it's more important do you want to avoid the nervousness or just take the automatic no the automatic non-raise just stuff like that like in real estate like i I have to call sellers all the time and i'm getting better at it and i'm always like i don't want to do this and then i'm just like am i just gonna let this slip by like i'm gonna get better if i just do this call right now and i'm gonna be more comfortable every time so just do it don't ask them. The answer is no. Yeah, you, uh, you'd actually answered exactly what I was asking. So quite literally writing down what you're feeling in that particular context and then on like asking yourself the, the follow-up question. And I will say too, just on this topic, one thing that I've tried to implement a little bit is every time my negative brain speaks up, I always try to couple it now with a positive thought. So like when I'm having to make cold calls, for example, oh man, this sucks. These people are going to shut me down. Or if I do that, that's fine. But I also have to say, but what if I end up placing one of these individuals that I, that I called to? So I've been trying to like play that, that psychological game. Um, but you had taken that exactly where I did want you to go with it. So that's awesome. So let's, we're going to kind of back up a touch, but we're also going to wrap this whole thing together. So could you explain your transition and what you got started on the real estate side of things. Yes, it's funny because Cole, you said, oh, I don't know anything about real estate. And that was literally me eight months ago. Like I knew nothing. Um, But how I got started, um, Nick and I were talking about this the other day. And I said, you know, I think it comes from just like always being a learner and like I'm always ready to like learn something. I'm always reading. and. When I started my full-time job, which was only in August, all summer I had off to travel the world, which didn't happen because of COVID. And um, I just like, because of all the things that Malia has taught me personal finance wise, I just knew that I was like going to take that first paycheck and absolutely maximize the hell out of it. Like I was not going to buy a new car. I was not going to buy clothes, nothing. Like I was like, what am I doing? Am I starting a business? Am I investing in stocks? Am I going to throw all of it into my 401k? Like, what am I going to do? And it just kind of came about that my boyfriend did a little, had done a flip. And the year that I was a senior in college and I had thought, oh, real estate's like a good idea, but it was still a very like distant idea for me. And somehow it just kind of clicked. Um, I realized we we found a house in the place I grew up in. And I realized, oh, I could qualify for a mortgage. I had no idea that I could do that. So then I was like, oh, I'm going to house hack, which we can get into what that is later. And it just kind of went from there and took off. I did one thing. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next. Like, I did that. Now what? And I just 
took off and I'm obsessed with real estate and I'm just, I love it. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's awesome. And like, this is so cool that you're saying this naturally because we just talked about how what drives you is challenges. So what a perfect maybe industry that you're in that you're faced with these things on a consistent basis. So I am going to circle back to my question now that we've introduced this, but first, what is the name of your firm? And like, what is, is it so just an investing company or what is that exactly? Yeah. So very simply, I just have an LLC. I named it Good Morning Investments. And that's just what I use to do my business in, but it's really just me and my boyfriend. It's just a dream show. Okay, perfect. Um, Small question. And then I'm sorry, I keep saying we're going to get there and then all these things come up. Um, So why that name? So, well, my last name is Gudenkoff and then his last name is Moore. So we were thinking about doing like a play on our last names and it just kind of seemed fun, kind of a play, not really. But also I just like that it's like happy, like new opportunities, new day. It's cool though. Not everyone has that opportunity um, because Cole, what's your last name? Zinsky. I don't know how much we can play off that. I, I want yeah. to. There, there's not much you can play off a long Polish last name. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Sorry, I had a little bit of fun there. Um, okay, so now to the actual question that I wanted to circle back on. So, from your engineering mind, we'll call it an experience. How and what crosses over into real estate, whether indirectly or directly? And just to give a small example. Um, Hugh Jackman was talking about how he loves doing puzzles, an interview that I listened to, and he loves doing them because he loves the process of start to finish, which is also why he loves performing on Broadway and doing his performances because they go from start to finish. So that's a little bit of context for you. Go ahead and answer now. Yes. So I think that being in a world where it's all one type of person and then you like I get on my meetings at work and it's 18 guys and me they're all over the age of like 30 and that's the same thing that real estate is and it's the same thing like the other day this lady was like okay well I was asking her if if I could buy her property she's like well yeah you go talk to your husband about it and I didn't say anything Mm -hmm. in my head I was like "Mm, this is my decision (laughs) like I'm I know it doesn't seem like this young person would be the one to buy this property but it's me and then but bigger than that is just like knowing how to interact with people that are different than you and that knowing how to like blend in and being comfortable blending in talking to people every day who I don't know who are doing all have different lives different things going on so just being I feel like last answer learning how to be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation Mm. um Yes. And then what is the largest or handful of obstacles that you have faced as you reflect on the start date of you moving till now? Can you rephrase that? Yeah. So from when you had starting started into real estate, what are like two or the three largest obstacles that may be obvious, but also may not be obvious? That I've already had or that I'm still like working on? both actually some of the biggest obstacles just like not really knowing that much about real estate and just every day being like well wait how do i do that 
and then just having to figure it out in general. Um, every day, seriously, like I learn something every day from a seller I'm talking to or like my mentor. I'm on Instagram following a bunch of investors. and I'm like, oh, wow, I had no idea that was a thing or I had no idea you could do that. I remember like I was just thinking today when I closed on my first house, I had no clue how to close on a house. I, I did not know anything about the process. I just took it one step at a time. Did a lot of Googling, a lot of calling my mom. And then this time I'm going to close on something hopefully tomorrow. And I was like the one that was guiding the sellers through it, like every step of the way. So it's nice to like see that I've learned, but also like I'm just taking it one step at a time, one day at a time. Grace, do you find that you learn more like the traditional way? So I, I, let me rephrase. Have you, did you feel that you learned more getting advice from your mom, Googling, asking a mentor, whatever, like whatever avenue you would use to learn this stuff initially? Or do you find that you learn more when you're able to teach it to somebody else? Yeah, I think for sure when I can teach it to someone. And another thing I always forget, this is kind of off topic, but it's such a hard line in what I do between trying to be candid about things that I don't know and asking people who are around me for help, like a lender, oh, hey, how does this work? Or like my closing agent or somebody, but also trying to put on the front, like, take me seriously. I want to do a lot of business this year. I want to do a lot. I want to get a lot done. It's like, that's something that I struggle with a lot. It's just like having the balls to just be like, can you tell me how this works? Because I'm confused. It's probably refreshing for people you work with, though, to have someone be so candid or so like upfront, I would imagine, because I, Nick and I talk a lot about this in sales, uh, being that we both do sales. Like sometimes you can, you can get caught or you can catch other people putting on like a front that maybe it's like you're not necessarily ready for, or maybe you're, you're putting on a persona that it's mm -hmm. like, okay, this isn't all, um, this isn't all real. This isn't all authentic. And do you, do you find that you, like being candid has gotten you a lot farther along rather than times where it's like, hey, I'm going to fake it till I make it? Because I know that can be a popular mantra for people as well. Obviously great in the right context, um, but I'm not sure if that applies to real estate or not. Tell us. I think both because like, I know I keep talking about Instagram, like I'm on it all day, but I for real have found like so many friends to the real estate community. I don't have a lot of friends in like my real life who invest. So it's been so nice <laughs> to meet people, but everyone I feel like is pretty candid on there. And I follow a lot of people who always try to be like, look, like this happened, this happened. It's not all um, fine and dandy all the time. And I try to be like that. The same time, like when you're working with a seller, you want to be confident and answer their questions and like hold their hand through the process so that they know like it's going to close. It's all going to be okay. I don't need to be stressed out. So it's both. It, and that's like, there's really like a double persona that I have to balance like within real estate and like going into that a little further. Like, for example, when I'm talking to a seller, I always want to, like oh it's just me like it's just me and my partner and we're just a very two-man show like we're not a big company blah 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 very personal where I'm from where you are from like we're from the same area when I'm renting I try to always be like oh like these are the company rules I can't 
I can't do that. I can't do this. Like, sorry, those are the rules. I don't make them. It's the company, blah, blah, blah. So it's like very much who you're talking to, what you're trying to do. Not that it's fake or anything. I always try to be very, very real. But it really is. There's like so much back and forth, if that makes sense. No, totally makes sense. So you bring up, you, you kind of led me to a point where it prompts a question that I've kind of been dying to ask you, just hearing about your engineering background and then obviously knowing you've gotten into real estate now. So your brain, right? One part of your brain is like the creative part, very creative, very outside the box thinking. Um, and, and everybody's brain is like this. And then another part of your brain, and I forget if it's right or left for either or, but another part of your brain is very analytical. You clearly, I, I don't want to put the pressure on, on you of saying like you've mastered it, but you're very good, it sounds like, at using both parts of those brains. So do you find that as a challenge or is that something that you've always been naturally good at of using the analytical part of your brain when maybe dealing with one person or dealing with a certain situation and then being able to okay, in a matter of maybe hours or days or weeks or months, like flip that and now use the creative side that allows for a totally different style of thinking? That's a good question. And I think that I didn't realize it until you just said this, but yes, I think that in real estate, you really have to have both because like everyone will tell you, if you talk to a real estate investor, they say, I solve problems. I have a distressed seller, a distressed property, a distressed market. I'm just trying to solve problems. And like, it's the people who are really good at like figuring out those problems while also keeping in all of these numbers and analysis and all that stuff that are successful. And I think with engineering, I always thought I wasn't creative because I was very um, like numbers oriented. And like in high school, I didn't think I was creative. But like, I also liked CAD, which is designing. So like it is, and now I'm realizing I am creative. It's just in a different way. It's not because I can draw art and because I can make pretty pictures and I'm good at singing or dancing or anything. I'm creative in that I can solve problems really well. And that is like, back to Nick's question, I'm just now realizing this as well, the biggest crossover between engineering and um, real estate is like complex problem solving. It sounds so cliche, but like I'm like having an epiphany right now. Like it's so true. Yes. That's so cool. Uh, so I'm just curious then, then to be very direct and to like get it out so that, that the, the people listening to this podcast can hear it. You said, if you ask a real estate broker, agent, whatever, they would say they're a master problem solver. If you mm-hmm. ask a mechanical engineer, would they say the same thing or would they say something different? Ooh, I feel like, no, I don't think they would say that necessarily. I think. I don't know what they would say. Probably more of like, I'm a good designer or just, it is problem solving, but I don't know. That's a good question. No, yeah, it's it, and, and that's good. I totally get why like it would, it's something that you don't necessarily think about a lot. So I get, let me ask this way. When you're doing mechanical, mechanical engineer work, is there any at all, and I have no background knowledge on this whatsoever, but is there any at all outside the box thinking as there may be when dealing in real estate and having to kind of play both sides like you mentioned a little bit ago? Yes, there's definitely outside the box thinking. There's, I mean, everything I do, no one's done. It's just like, these are the things you got to do. This is maybe the cost. This is 
maybe what the design needs to look like, do it. And I got to come up with ways to make that happen. But it's just, it is two different types of problem solving. I think in real estate, one of the things I'm so drawn to, one of the reasons I'm so drawn to real estate is because the creativity is absolutely, truly endless. Like the more creative, and that's something I realize more and more every day, the more creative you can get, the better you're going to be. Like I've been working with, sellers who like distressed sellers which means like maybe their home isn't a fixer-upper they have a nice home or something but they have a problem maybe it's medical bills maybe they need to move maybe they're declared bankruptcy or blah 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 and just like learning how to that is a whole area of real estate i didn't know was a thing i didn't know that like distressed sellers was a thing so i'm learning like how to talk to bankruptcy trustees, like how to do a short sale, which is a foreclosure, like all these different types of problem solving that I didn't even think you could do until I had these mentors who are like, yeah, you can fix problems that way. It doesn't have to be a crappy property. It can be a crappy situation that you can get somebody out of and still make um, money and help them out of a really bad situation. So like the creativity there for real, like it's crazy. There's so many ways that you can buy a house so many things that you can do when you think about how you buy a house that is literally the tip of an iceberg there are a million more ways to do it so when you're when you're maybe doing a walk through grace like on a property that would be a crappy situation or maybe once like that flip is complete and you're maybe doing a showing or you're getting ready to pass that along or maybe you are going through the the like the the closing process is there a point where the creative brain stops and the analytical brain takes over? Yeah, I think the analytics are always going to drive the creativity. I can be creative, I guess, backtracking on what I just said, until the numbers don't work. So, like, for example, this is a very specific situation. There's this guy who is in a bankruptcy and he owes about what the house is worth. Any investor would never in a million years pay anything close to what the house is worth. Obviously you want to get a really good deal. But one thing that's really creative is maybe you could buy it on seller financing or do a lease option or do a wrap mortgage. Like there's so many creative ways to buy it and do different things with the property to make those numbers work. But if those things, if none of those things make the numbers work, the numbers don't work. But it's yeah. more than just buying, fixing and selling. Like there's a million other ways. Right. Okay. So last question. So you just, you threw a lot out there, like rat mortgage and crappy situations with something that it's not a crappy property. It's a crappy situation. Is there like a resource that people listening to this right now that are like one fascinated by you, fascinated by real estate and want to maybe learn more or understand what you just said? Is there a resource they can use to find that kind of information? I would say anything bigger pockets is a great resource. They have books, podcasts, webinars, forums, Instagram, everything bigger pockets is fantastic. And um for me, like uh, the reason I like threw all that out there and I'm learning all of that is because I invested in a mentor who I know personally from my real estate group, and they're teaching me like all the very niche creative things that they do. So like Yes, in general, you can learn more about all that stuff. But if you're really serious about it, then I would say definitely like get involved in taking classes or listening to webinars or getting a mentor. Okay. 
Awesome. That's great advice. The last 10 minutes has been an absolute goldmine of information. I just want, Grace, I want you to know that absolute goldmine, so many good things. Um, I will turn it back to Nick because he is the one quarterbacking this conversation. He's got his script. He's flipping through stuff right now. I can see him. He's ready to get on to, to, to even more, even more gold, even more good things that, that you have to say, Grace. So Nick, go ahead. I, uh, well, I appreciate that, but also I agree. We've covered a lot of really fun stuff, but that's where we wanted to be on this, right, Grace? I mean, this is that, that is one of the major points why we brought you on here to talk. So the next 15 or so, we're going to be relatively condensed, but they're going to be action packed. So we're going to keep the ball moving in a strong manner. So when and how did you develop the mental toughness that you did not only being a female in a male-dominated industry, but also just to wake up every day and continue to have a positive, uh, contagious attitude of, hey, I'm going to get better and I'm going to learn. Um, I think part of it comes from, this sounds cheesy, but parents who always told me that I was smart and I could do whatever I wanted to do if I just work hard. And also just like studying mechanical engineering in college was not easy. And it was not fun. And I think part of that, just like every day being like, all right, I got to do this homework or I got to go to this class. And then third part is just like having the drive to wanting to be successful and wanting to live like my dream life. I know Mm -hmm. that I could be very easily work this nine to five job the rest of my life and be very well off and very happy. But I'm not settling for that. I I love that. More than that. I want to like be traveling the world and I want to be speaking four languages and I want to have houses everywhere. So like, yeah, I got to get my ass up and work out at five 30 <laughs> and then talk to a bunch of sellers. I don't want to talk to and do everything I don't want to do so that in the future I can do the things I want to do. <laughs> Gosh, I love how much you perked up right there to express that. So there's a part of it we're going to come back to, so we're not going to forget it, but I had to ask on mental toughness specifically. Now, I think that there are people in this world that are so incredibly intelligent that they will possess skills I will never possess, scientists, engineers for that matter. Um, However, I have learned in life there is one skill that is the most universal and productive and efficient in whatever the definition is, and, and that is people skills. Have you read any books on developing people skills, or how have you as a, we'll say, niched engineer developed that skill set? I think it comes from growing up with three, two sisters. Wow, a lot of these questions you guys ask, I'm like finally digging up the answers to. <laughs> but, um, and my mom is like, she can talk to a freaking, she could get a wall to like sell a house. She is so talkative. But books, um, of course, like how to win friends and influence people. Yes. Um, uh, there's a really good Bigger Pockets book on negotiating. And you wouldn't believe it, but half of it is just like learning what someone's problem is and being personable. It's like not even about the hardcore negotiation. Like that's not even the point of the book. It's like be personable, try to genuinely help them, and then and then everything else will follow. That's awesome. I uh, I'm not gonna make too much of a of a comment here, but it's just interesting you bring that up, considering some of the the things we either are currently reading right now or have in the past. So that's super timely. Um, anything else on people skills, how have you maybe 
like when you go into a conversation that you don't maybe know all of it about, do you have like vulnerability? How do you kind of handle that person or uh, those people skills in those situations that are a little more uncomfortable? So two different things there for handling the stuff and like being vulnerable and the things that I don't know the answers to. I was just talking to my sister today about like having practiced answers. So like my mentors always preach, like you say, oh, I'm not sure. Let me talk to my partner, like never committing to something that you can't commit to. Or I'm not sure I'll have to double check that. And always being like never promising something that you can't promise and always having like a back out if you can. And then the other part is just coming off like as nicely and like truly from the perspectives of I am trying to help you. And in helping Mm. you, I can help myself. And I was also just telling my sister the other day, there this guy that is in a really bad situation where he owns more than his house is worth. I have been trying to help him, working with him for a few weeks now. And he called me and decided that he wanted like $20,000 more than the house, than what he owes on it, which no one would ever, ever do because he owes more than the house is worth. So I had to calmly explain to him, like, I'm really sorry. You know, I can't I can't do that because of this. And he was getting upset because he's in a really bad situation and he's having to come right. to terms with it. He was kind of getting short with me and not being very nice. And I just had to like I was just so emotionally uninvested in it that it didn't matter how mean he was or rude he was. I'm not going to be rude back because. That's just not going to get me anywhere. If someone's being really rude, I can hang out. But like, I just always know, like for me, this is business. And so I'm not going to be short to people. I'm not going to be sending, if someone sends me a mean text back, I'm not sending a snarky text back. Like I just don't even go there because it's business and I, my emotions are not there. So that really, really helps with the people skills. And you, most of the time, if someone's mean to you and you're nice back, they'll feel bad. 100%. 100%. Like I get all the time is people immediately are like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, thanks for your help. So, like, well, that, never go there. I tried to never ever go the snarky route or anything. Well, and I think that speaks volumes to the emotional agility that you maybe have developed, whether you know that or not, too, which in some ways is mental toughness. Mental toughness is a weird lubrication that just finds its way in all these little situations, but also mm-hmm. some of these other skills, which is so cool. Um, so thank you for expanding on that. I thought a lot of that was super valuable. Before I ask the final question and keep this really good interview going, Cole did have one more thing, I believe. State Street residents, do not skip over this. Listen, guys, if you've been following along since the first episode we put out, uh, you know how supportive, how proud, uh, and how amazed we are by Chi-Town Blankets and the work that they are doing um, in the city of Chicago, Illinois, and beyond, even stretching into Houston, Texas most recently. You guys, uh, if you again, if you follow along, you know how proud we are. You know how to donate. You know how to get involved. You know how to find the newsletter, get subscribed to that, so you're staying up to date. Uh, so here, here's all I'm asking you guys. Uh, if you've been following along, you know about all about this stuff. You hear about it every week. Tell a friend. Your work is done. Uh, that's all you got to do. Tell a friend. Get them in the know and, and tell them how they can help. Your work is done from there. That's all I can ask. Uh, and you then can skip through this. Uh, if you are listening to this for the first time, go to the website, www.shytownblankets.com. You can donate monetarily. 
by donating blankets themselves. They have an online store that you can pick out blankets that maybe mean something to you, that have a special color, your favorite color, a certain pattern, maybe a certain logo. Uh, it's all through Amazon, and it's set up on their website perfectly. Um, and then subscribe to that newsletter. Like I mentioned, get involved, n know what's happening, get uh, get in the know, and, and stay up to date on all the great things that they're doing, like a thousand dollar, or a thousand blanket, excuse me, donation that they received recently, um, and all the growth potential and the growth happenings for Chi-Town Blankets. We love Jack, we love Dom, uh, and all the folks over there are doing amazing work. So get involved, help the people of Chicago, Illinois who are in most need, uh, and let's spread that throughout the United States. Yeah, um, Grace, before Nick, yeah, before Nick goes on, you, you, you talked about something really quick. Um, like, I don't, I don't know if it maybe seems like it to you or not, but that's a habit, right? A habit of like, okay, I'm not going to get snarky. If someone sends me a mean text, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to deal with it. It's business. It's not a personal thing. Like, that's a habit you've built. On top of mental toughness you've developed, um, and something that we talk about regularly on this podcast is like developing great habits. Obviously, you said earlier you get up at 530 and work out. Great habit. Um, you, you make a phone call when you know it maybe won't be the most pleasant or you just know you're emotionally not invested. Great habit. Um, when or or maybe how did you become a master at creating really good habits? And I asked that for the sole reason of something you said earlier, where it's like you went to college and it wasn't necessarily fun. You had to go to a classes that you maybe were not super jazzed about, like the workload or what you're gonna be covering that day. Is that where it started? Did it start earlier than that? Where did like developing good habits fall within like the framework of shaping? like this awesome person you are? I'd, first I had to say, I don't have perfect habits anywhere close to perfect habits. Like when I was telling the story about this seller who got upset with me, that was the first time, it was like two days ago or maybe yesterday, that was the first time that I actually, like I was hurt because he was acting like I was taking advantage of him when he was the one who got himself in a horrible situation by spending money he didn't have and just all these horrible things. And for him to call me and pretend like I was ripping him off, it really hurt. And that was the first time that I was like, I really had to like, okay, like I am not going there. It was so hard. So like, yeah, I'm not perfect. And I haven't been doing this for long enough. I'm sure I'll break on somebody. It will happen sometime. But that one was so hard for me. Like I, I really was upset afterwards. But on the phone call, I was good. I stayed cool. Um, where did these habits start? Um, yeah, probably just like maybe in high school, just like I always did all these clubs. Like I was on the robotics team and like I did all like my math classes at like Kirkwood or the community college. And like I just knew I always wanted to do hard stuff because I was I wanted to do cool, bigger stuff, even though I didn't know what that was. So to me, that meant like do stuff that's challenging and create good habits so that you can build off of them. I don't know if that's a great answer. No, that, that's, that's fine. I think kind of the message it's to me that you were, you were trying to get across is like pushing, pushing the boundaries forced you to create good habits. Is that kind of right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. And that, I think that's awesome. I think anytime you push boundaries, you're forcing yourself towards success. You're also forcing these habits to be created because ultimately the the road to success is not one that is well traveled 
or okay. it, it is it is the road less traveled. So um, thank you for answering that, Nick. I'll get I'll give it right back to you. No, it's all good, man. I love talking about this stuff. So because you are an avid reader, Grace, I have on purposely given us a block of time to talk on <laughs> books. We're not quite there yet, but the reason I share that with you is. When we talk about the next question, I'd like to aim it more towards real estate and uh, travel rather than the book reading. We'll get to that. Um, so what is something you're incredibly passionate about? So just label what you are passionate about. And then I have a follow-up question to that. I would say reading, real estate, being outside, traveling. I love speaking Spanish. Um, yeah. Perfect. Now the follow-up. If you could take your dream vacation this weekend, no strings attached, you can go for a week, two weeks, a month, what whatever you're doing for your dream vacation. What does that look like to you? I have two and they're very different. One I've been thinking about lately is like hiking in Norway where in the summer literally there's no darkness i think that'd be crazy and beautiful and then the other one is always going to be like going back to south america i studied abroad in santiago chile mm -hmm. and it was amazing the most beautiful country so like probably going back there that's so cool so let's unpack both of those individually so you said it, it, it is a daytime for the whole 24 hours did i hear that correctly yeah, it's like Alaska and Norway because it's so far north that it, it has very, very few hours of darkness and then opposite in the winter. So it has like complete dark winter. That's so interesting. I think we have a couple of days like that here in Iowa as well, too. Um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, and then the second is what makes, and, and I, am I pronounced, I, I would just say chili, but I'm, I'm not grammatically correct or what have you on that. Um, Chile, what makes that so appetizing for you? Just the mem going back and reliving the memories that I had there. I stayed with the host family. So seeing them, I think, and just like Santiago is crazy because they have the Andes Mountains, the Pacific, um, Patagonia, and then the desert. They have like all of the, um, all of the terrains. And if you think about it, you probably don't realize it, but Chile is as long as the U.S. is longer than the U.S. is wide. So they have truly like all climates, all. Holy cow. Yeah, they got it all. So I will have to interject this to this podcast and let this individual know, but we actually had someone on that was from Brazil and oh. he had expanded very well on his homeland and talked a little mm -hmm. bit about that. So it's so cool that you bring that up. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. So now it, we're right at probably just under an hour, which is a great spot, actually. So we are going to divulge for a solid 10 minutes on books, and then we'll wrap up with Cole's four questions, if that's fair for both of you guys. Sounds Go. good. Awesome. So we're going to give you a really easy one to start out with, and this will make much more sense to Cole when we describe this. So what have been maybe your top three books? you've read that you've really liked and i'm kind of like i said teeing you up to say one of them if you don't hit it i'll make sure i tell them um really like oh that's so hard <laughs> i really like reza aslan who writes like um more like historical pieces and 
Oh my gosh. And I'm like nervous because I'm like, which one did I write down? <laughs> I don't know. Well, so we had actually talked about it. So I'm going to go ahead and share it if that's okay with you. Yes. So one of her favorites was Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yes. And oh. yes, that is such an amazing book. Yes. Amazing I think almost, book. I was going to say almost evolutionary in how he writes and describes. Um, and, and if we bring that book up, we ha- I always have to give credit to Mr. Duig and the power of habit, because without mm. that, we would have never had atomic habits. He did, he laid the foreground there. So let, let me guide you a little bit here, Grace. So on your fiction, and if you ever dabble in that, what have you read there that you've enjoyed for books, fiction books? I really like historical fiction. I, re- I really read like so many genres, but I like historical fiction. I like thrillers like James Patterson, um, David Baldacci, like those books. Amazing. Um, yeah, I would say I probably read a little bit more of nonfiction than fiction for sure. Okay, so let's go to nonfiction, uh, specifically finance books. Great finance book is Your Money or Your Life. I'll always vouch for that book by Vicki Robbins or Robin. Just amazing about really digging into like the emotional side of money and helping you understand that money, you get money by trading hours of your life, helping you realize. Is the money I spent worth these hours of my life? And like really putting stuff into perspective in such a simple way. Mm. Revolutionary. Like an eight-year-old could probably read the book, but it's so good. Hey, some of the best are very simply put. Right. Um, and sorry yeah. if I stole your your comment there, Cole. You can chime in for sure, man. You know, I, I'm just I'm just curious, Grace. Is that book analytically driven or how is it written? It does a little bit of both. Like it has the occasional chart and stuff, but I would say it's like very emotional, like laying it all out there. What is your money story? Like what is your first memory with money? Is it good or bad? What do you think when you get paid it? Like, do you have a good reaction and negative reaction when you get paid every week? Like, and just really helping you understand like your priorities and your spending while also saying like, Hey, also do your budget and track your net worth. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. So do you have any more on finance that you'd like to share with the residents? Of course, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad is always a great one. I know a lot of real estate investors love that book. Um, just, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm blanking because I'm on the spot, but I feel like I've read so many good finance books and I can't come up with this, come up with them on the spot. Well, to be fair, Grace, those two books, I would also add in Cashflow Quadrant to that. Those books are unbelievable. I've actually not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which slapped my wrist for that, but we're going to get into finance, I think, at some point on the podcast for sure. Um, So I'm going to ask this, and this one is, I'm hoping, going to provoke some thought because every reader has these books. So for me, I know specifically there's three books that have absolutely changed the way I view the world. Like they've totally changed me as a person, how I interact with people, myself, et cetera, et cetera. So do you have a top, maybe one, two or three books that have totally just light bulbed you or, you know, go ahead and and elaborate there. So actually my favorite genre, I would say is memoirs. I love reading about other people's experiences, other places, other times. 
And a really a good book that popped into my head was called I Was Told to Come Alone. It's written by a German Muslim woman. And she kind of came to age in her reporting career uh, during 9-11 and all the wars in the Middle East. And so she was, she kind of led the double life of like reporting for the Western world, but also would like fly to the Middle East and like interview like literally Al-Qaeda members. And she just pieced together like the disconnect between the two cultures so beautifully and in a way that like mm. I feel like nobody else could. That seriously like made me see everything so differently of like obviously people in Al and Al-Qaeda are not good people, but that wasn't the focus of her story. The focus of her story was like how young um, Muslim people like feel alienated by the Western world and vice versa and it was just like mm. so crazy the way that she pieced together these two cultures and two narratives in a way that like you never thought that you'd be able to understand like that perspective and she presents it so beautifully that is beautiful to hear I can just tell by the the voice inflection for you that that's something that we'll we'll have to get our hands on at some point um there was a lot of emotion in that answer I yeah like <laughs> you like I'm not going to lie, Grace, you got, you got me going with that. Like, I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, I have to read this. Sorry, sorry to intervene yeah. that, but there was so no, much emotion in that. Oh, yeah, another, it's all good, another book just like that is Melinda Gates, um, The Moment of Lift. Similar kind of about how she just talks a lot about all the different places she's been and the kinds of people that she's spoken to. And she focused on like uplifting women in poverty. And it was just so cool and amazing and I, that was also a really great book that gave so much perspective to my life i love that i love that um and just for the sake of time any one more book that has kind of changed the way you look at the world or are those your top two for sure um yeah those are probably my top two i think memoirs in general just seeing other somebody else's perspective is always life-changing yeah, well, we actually had the the very wonderful privilege of actually having someone read theirs on the podcast not too long ago, and it was very eye opening, especially for me being in the Midwest, being a, a Caucasian male. Um, it was just like, wow, I am so uncultured where I live. Um, awesome. So we are at a great point. I am going to let Cole go ahead and answer or ask his four questions. Before I do, though, I do have two final questions for you, Grace, if you're ready. Mm -hmm. Cole, forgive me if I do steal one of them. I don't know if I do. So please, I'm gosh, I'm hoping I don't do this. Um, so the first one is a little bit morbid, but bear with me. What is one thing you have committed to doing before you pass away? Um, wow. One thing I've committed to doing, I think just like the status quo and tradition as best as I can like shit, I'm out here about to quit my my really great w2 job to figure out a whole nother industry but yeah just like keep fighting against that and like trying to figure out like what I really want to do and how I really want to live my life so not a specific answer but in general I still think it was a good answer though because that's a loaded question go ahead Cole well it's interesting you say that, Grace, because I know on your sheet that you filled out, your questionnaire you filled out for us, we asked the question, what is something you firmly disagree with? And you said complacency. Mm -hmm. And so like fighting, compla com fighting complacency, I think is something that like 
you can say you've committed to before you pass away. And I think that's one of, if not the most admirable thing, any, not like forget male or female, any human being can possess. Yeah. I think, and it's so hard because you mm-hmm. get, get so comfortable. And it's a, it's a, it literally, it truly is a never ending journey till the mm-hmm. day you die. Mm-hmm. Truly, which is so, so cool. It's so like, yeah, that, that's so awesome. It's just awesome. Sorry. No, 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 you're good. I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I had forgotten about that last portion on that. So thank you for bringing that back up. Um, And then my last one for you, Grace, if being that you're a history buff, and this is where I I hope I'm not stealing one of Cole's question. If you could go back in time to any time period and live in it for a year, what time period would it be and why? So I would love to go back to, you already know my answer, like World War II, but I'm not sure I'd want to live through that. But I would love Uh, to know the experience without having to also like know the experience. But I just got done reading probably one of my favorite books also so far by Eric Larson. And it's just written like historical fiction, but it's it's nonfiction. It's collections of like diary entries and telegraphs and blah, blah, blah. But it's about Winston Churchill in the first few years of the war. And it was so interesting. He is such a, an amazing person. I say that and I haven't even read any of his content. I just know he was a badass and, and went through a lot. Um, and it's almost unfortunate how uneducated we are on these people that had to go through so many mm-hmm. deeper adversities than what we did uh, or what we're going through in some ways. So I'm going to stop myself. Otherwise, we're going to keep driving on this thing and it'd be a two hour podcast before I know it. Cole, my good friend, go ahead and give the experience of your four questions to Miss Grace here. Hey, Grace, so I don't know if Malia prepped you at all. Uh, there's really no way to prep other than to just know all these questions are going to be totally off the wall and totally random. Uh, so if you're ready, I have them prepared. Uh, we we can get right into it. I want to clarify. I do not know what these questions are going to be. So I guess I'm ready as I'll ever be. Yes, I love it. Okay. Um, well, we'll my, my first question actually kind of ties in nicely to the question Nick just asked. It's not the exact same, but you may be a little bit prepared for this one. So we'll ask this first. If you if you could walk in someone else's shoes for a day, but nobody would know about it, whose shoes mm. would you walk in? Great question. I think I would have to say, like, president, Ooh. any president. I just think, like, I, I sometimes I get to thinking, like, that is so freaking crazy that, like, somebody does that job and somebody has to make all those decisions. So... Probably the president. I don't know. I just think that would be like so bizarre. So bizarre. And you wouldn't want anyone to know that you've walked in that life, but you think it's crazy. Yeah. I don't think I would want to walk. Maybe if I could just like walk besides that, because like, oh. I, stress, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> Very good. That's awesome. Um, what is your biggest cooking fail? Um, oh, this is really bad. I made salsa a couple years ago and right. Grace, did we lose you? Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. You said cooking fail, right? Yeah, cooking fail. Like in the like okay, so like cooking like like a meal, yeah. a snack, anything. 
I got this one. I got this one. I did not know that a garlic clove was not like the whole thing. The whole little bulb. This is so embarrassing. And I put through like basically, you know, how you can get them in a sack. Like there's three of them in the little mesh. I think I put like that whole thing in a giant thing of salsa that I made. And then you literally could not eat it. It was so bad. And I just like <laughs> so embarrassing. And I am obsessed with salsa. So I was so sad that I made like a gallon of salsa that was inedible. <laughs> that is awesome. That's a great answer. I'm really a huge salsa. I'm a huge salsa fan too. And if I ever had someone put like three whole things of garlic, yeah, it'd be it'd be sad. That'd be tough to choke down. Did you have? Did you just playing off that question? Did you have someone say like, "Hey, I think you put a little too much garlic"? No, thank God. Thank God. It was just me. Okay. And I, like three or four chips of it and like you know when you really really want to enjoy something but like it kind of tastes off but you're just like really trying to convince yourself it tastes good on like that fourth chip i was like okay this is horrible like what did i do and then i I totally realized like i am dumb as a rock i can't believe i did that (laughs) that is awesome that's a great story um okay so one other food question i have if you could put together an all-American meal, we're getting close to the 4th of July. So if you could put together like an all-American meal, so like an appetizer, a true entree, and then a dessert, what is like the all-American meal? Okay, so dessert is for sure ice cream because I love ice cream, but I'm not sure that's super like American. Um, pizza, nachos, mm. nachos for the appetizer, and mod sticks. Love mod sticks and then Ooh. pizza for the main dessert, which is horribly unhealthy. But <laughs> no, that's but America, like, baby. That's America. Yeah, that's the all American meal. I love it. <laughs> uh, um, the the last question of the four I have for it, and I think this one is going to be maybe the most interesting answer we may have ever had on a four question segment. So I'm just curious. Let's just say an apocalypse happens. Happens leaves 10 people you're included as one of those so yourself grace and nine other people you're trying to divvy up jobs so like job titles to rebuild civilization what is your job title Mm. my job title is oh my gosh maybe just like can i be everybody else's job coordinator like head honcho (laughs) Yeah, I mean, their jobs are. I'll be the head communications. Head of communications. Head of communications, where I just make sure the other nine people are doing what they need to do to get civilization back on track. So it would be on. It would read on the business card: Grace Gudenkoff, head of communications for the rebuilding of society. <laughs> yes, that is awesome. I love that. I can picture the business card now. Um, very good. Well, Grace, you were, those were awesome. Four awesome answers. You handled it perfectly. You had no idea what was coming. Um, so I will just say my last little piece and then I'll turn it to Nick to, to get us out of here. But, um, first off social media for us, uh, if people enjoy the episode, follow us on Instagram. Nick does an awesome job posting videos, posting stuff out there when we come out on, on stories. Um, and even fun Friday questions. So follow us on State Street at State Street Pod. Uh, Twitter is State Street Pod. Facebook is State Street Podcast. Subscri- subscribe, excuse me, 
rate five stars, leave us a comment, tell us what we're doing good, tell us what we're doing bad, and tell a friend because that's the best way to share the knowledge, to share the excitement, um, and, and maybe uh, maybe even have some one of your friends uh, recommended as a guest to come on the show, uh, just like all of our awesome guests that have been on here so far. So, Grace, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so, so cool. You are a wealth, 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 wealth of knowledge, um, and I am so, so thankful, again, that you took a little time to, t- to talk to us enlighten us a little bit on such an awesome, awesome topic. Uh, and, and seriously, thank you from the bottom of my heart, Nick's heart, and the, and any resident listening to this, because you have been so much fun to get to know, uh, and hear a little bit about your story. Well, thank you. I feel like I uncovered so much just from your guys' questions. So you guys had some super deep, like I really had to think. So I appreciate that. It was really fun. I definitely enjoyed this. Good, good. I'm glad. That's the best. That's the best news we can hear. Uh, really quick before I give it to Nick Grace, do you have social media that you want to plug that people can find you, follow you, uh, and learn a little bit more about you? Follow along with your journey. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at smartypants.investing. What an awesome handle. <laughs> Smartypants.investing. Grace, could you do a quick favor? Could you actually spell that just for pronunciation purposes? S-M-A-R-T-Y pants dot investing. Awesome. Awesome. So Grace, thank you so much for coming on to this show. Uh, I have to give a shout out to Malia. Otherwise this wouldn't have happened, but Mm -hmm. it has been so fun to um, interview you, get this accomplished, talk about all the passions and and all the the good stuff that we did. So for our loyal State Street residents, we are going to be flying into our next portion into getting to yes and talking negotiations. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Grace Goodenkoff. And until next time, guys.